0: Hi, listener. This is From Ideology to Unity, a spiritual journey where we let go of ego and ideological doctrine in favor of meaning, purpose, and unity as a whole. So I'm doing another reading, and this is from the Red Book of C.G. Jung, A Journey into Unknown Depths by Walter Bochett. And we're getting close to the end now. This is the last chapter other than the conclusion, so the penultimate chapter and this is called uh, chapter nine philemon in his book of memoirs jung wrote philemon and other figures of my fantasies brought home to me the crucial insight that there are things in the psyche which i do not produce but produce themselves and have their own life 1963 page 176 the appearance of Philemon represents the culmination of Jung's pilgrimage in search of the self. Philemon is referred to in Memories, Dreams, Reflections as equivalent to the guru figure in ancient religion. Jung relates how he had a real life experience with the guru when he was visited by an Indian intellectual who was one of Gandhi's disciples. Um. Yeah, I would say that's like the wise old man archetype, right? The visitor revealed that he had 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 a guru, and Jung asked who this was. He answered that his guru was called Sankaracharya. Jung was surprised. You don't mean the commentator on the Vedas who died centuries ago. His visitor then explained, matter-of-factly, that this was not at all relevant, and that the guru experiences an inner experience. At that moment, said Jung, I thought of Philemon philemon so someone who lived long ago who's their guru and yet well yeah long ago before so your guru died before they taught you well we understand what atheists would say but um, you know I, I suppose that's plausible Um, you can get spirit guides and gurus for the afterlife and stuff or even someone might be a reincarnation of that person I would say it's feasible the word guru has been overused in recent times and is often used incorrectly, there are various etymologies for the Sanskrit word and the most commonly known of these that defines it is that finds it as a person who leads you from the darkness, Gu, into the light, Ru. Well, that sounds good. A highly qualified spiritual master or dissipator of darkness. Another etymological explanation is that the cognate of the Latin gravis, meaning heavy, or full, of wisdom and divine knowledge. Tradition means the formula guru, God, self, identical experiences. Tradition reveals that. Did I say means that? Uh, Anyway, therefore, this comparison of Philemon with the guru figure places it in the category of the archetype of the wise old man, an important teacher for Jung. Indeed, Philemon is compared to an avatar through a citation from the Bhagavad Gita, the sacred Hindu book belonging to the Upanishads. Jung placed the following citation next to a picture of Philemon in the Liber Secundus. Whenever and wherever a decline of righteousness and predominance of unrighteousness prevails, at that time I manifest myself personally, for for the protection of the devotees and the annihilation of the miscreants, and to fully establish righteousness, I appear millennium after millennium. So interesting is it an archetype that plays out in the psyche when whatever unrighteousness is prevails was it like an actual soul who comes to help like some sort of wanderer or something who knows sounds interesting though and the fact it's placed next to Philemon is uh Symbolically important, I would say. It obviously meant something, meant a lot to Jung. In the psychodynamics of individuation, the avatar represents an unconscious factor responsible for re-establishing the balance lost by the unconscious personality. Whenever there is a decline of righteousness, means that when the conscious historians oriented symbols of the self the wise old man as an avatar for example appear to help the conscious to recover its lost equilibrium now if you remember from the last episode I did we were talking about mandalas and how mandalas play a role in rebalancing the psyche potentially it's not just they help the development forward of the psyche but they help the recovery of the psyche when it's destabilized although i had to wonder even though it was talking about cases of people with schizophrenia who or psychosis you get a measure of temporary stability from mandalas but if someone in other circumstances might have you mentally destabilized and a mandala might help them yeah that would just be a restabilization rather than a maturation on face value but maybe maybe it would be more than that maybe in a way going into the darkness the chaos the unknown going into that destabilization symbolically chaos for sure and then coming back it's not just going backwards and then go back to where you were again it's there's experience gained through that and in fact, that's a that's a hero's journey in and in, in of itself. So every journey is every time frame you can put a story on, you know, it plays out on that scale. It could be a journey, a literal physical journey, right? You're in the comfort of your home, you go out, you come across these interesting experiences unexpected experiences perhaps perhaps not perhaps it's just what you expect but in any case there might be things that are stressful or things you need to deal with as you go along and a series of challenges in fact there might be a point where it's most difficult and it might be well um you're in a traffic jam and it's kind of stressful and that might be the most Difficult part of your journey, and that's the equivalent of the Dark night of the Soul, <laughs> on that scale. Um, but it could be you're in a car crash. Could be. Could be you must run someone over it or something. I suppose we're going with a car journey here, aren't we? It could be that you're, if you're on a plane, right, that you're scared of a crash or something. And, like, turbulence... Bad turbulence might be like, well, like not the soul, or, like, experience on that journey. Or it might be when you're landing. Or maybe you're scared of missing the flight. So for you, it's actually when you're waiting for the plane because you're worried you'll miss it. So it's different. It depends on each person. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, any journey and anything that isn't a journey even – you know, the hero's journey can apply to it. That's what I think, because well, I I don't think it's just psychological. I I think it's there's something it's the correspondence, um, the correspondence as above, so below. Uh, Also means as within, so without, but and, and so below, so above. So basically, on every level of time or space or what have you you get the same patterns repeated in different manifestations that's the idea so i would also add that if you've ever watched this show the cartoon avatar um whenever there's instability in the world, the avatar comes to bring balance. The avatar of the divine, the avatar of the elements. And it may well be that the those giant turtles, which actually where bending comes from, that they give the ability for bending. Well, they're gods in a sense. Um then in that world, then yeah, the avatar is kind of like representing the turtles. Anyway, um so yeah and I, I don't, not, I don't know the um the story of uh the sci-fi one. That the the movie avatar, I don't know that well enough. I haven't really seen it. Yeah, I know, I know, terrible. I haven't seen it, but yeah. um, So I can't give you any ideas about like what that means, except no, I don't really know. The new equilibrium is always more advanced and exists on a higher plane. Well, there you go. That fits to what I said. It is a move forward, right? Crises are called according for psychological development. People can often have difficulty entering into contact with the wise old man in themselves and project this figure onto their analyst as part of the transference. It is vital that the analyst embodies the archetypal image temporarily for the client until the client can integrate the values it represents when he is ready and no longer needs to project this idealized image onto the therapist. does that mean that if it's a woman it's not like the wise old man archetype so it doesn't work the same way not being sexist I'm just wondering what what that does to the mind maybe not maybe you kind of somehow you see your female psychologist as like um, a wise old man in some odd sense oh you could just be the wise old woman I suppose but that is technically a different archetype right It's no less of an archetype, but it's different. Like, I don't know, I don't really feel like I have a clear answer here. Jung makes references to Indian culture throughout the Libra Novas. The collected works are full of references to Hinduism, such as in, the vo- in Volume 11, Psychology and Eastern Religion, and in Volume 6, Psychological Archetypes, where the Vedas and Upanishads are cited at length. There are, all, there are also the Kundalini Yoga Seminars given by Jung and Wilhelm Hohauer. Jung's journey to India and his work on the contribution of this culture a part of his wider interest in man on a planetary and cross-cultural basis. This approach is still significant today at a time when multiple cultures are coming together. In Memory Streams Reflections, Jung explains that the figure of Philemon is, oh, the clarify, if you're not sure, Philemon is spelled P-H-I-L-E-M-O-N. Philemon is an unfold of the figure of elijah and the continuation of the same principle i don't know for sure maybe you could look this up to check but some people claim that in a new way in the new age community anyway that archangel metatron is linked to elijah or if not elijah one of those one of those um i'm not sure what it is prophets but uh in the uh, Old Testament, one of those uh, representatives of God, right? So, I don't know, that just came to mind. (sighs) Unfolding of the figure of Elijah and the continuation of the same principle. How should this be interpreted? It is worth remembering that Liba Novus is a constant personification of emotions, and that if these had not been differentiated, they could have been dangerous for the conscious. Hmm. When these chaotic emotions acquire an image or are personified, they they can be integrated into the conscious. The archetype of the spirit, the principle of feeling, initially appears in Libra Primus in the form of spontaneous automatic thought. Spontaneous autonomous thought. Hmm. The spirit of the depths is then personified as Elijah and later taken on and later takes on the form of Philemon. These personifications are successive differentiations of the archetypal principle. The spiritual principle is later conceptualized by Jung as the archetype of the spirit, the archetype of the wise old man, or the principle of reflection. They're the same thing, huh? And, of course, you can think of many sources of um, any stories, right? And you can identify who the wise men, old men are, that archetype. It's easy to differentiate. Um, Like, for example, Iroh in um, The Last Airbender. So, um, man, I love that character. Anyway, so the first time Philemon appears, similar to other similarly to other important events in Jung's life, is in a dream. He appears flying through the sky as blue as water and full of flat clods of earth. You know, blue and flying through the sky, just it reminds you of the Hindu gods just saying. He has wings like those of a kingfisher, holds in his hand a bunch of keys, one of which is he is clutching as if about to open a lock, and has the horns of a bull. He brings Jung, in his own words, a strange egyptian hellenic atmosphere with a Gnostic coloration, unlike Elijah, a Jewish prophet from the Old Testament. Hmm. Gnostic coloration. Well, I mean, the law of One has similarities to Gnosticism. Uh, Egyptian Hellenic. I mean, that makes me think of Hermetics. Hermetics does come from the Egyptians and the Hellenic Hellenic origin, especially the combination of the two. depends how far back you go. If you go back to the Emerald Tablets of Hermes, that would be Egyptian Hellenic. If you go back to the Emerald Tablets of um. Um. Wow. Thoth trim Thoth the Atlantean. Well, that goes back way further. The thing of that one is, though. You can't prove that it's actually from the Atlantis. Um. Melchetyek or something is the um. Someone Melchetic is, is involved in uh finding it somehow, and. Some people might be sceptical and say, oh, well, they made it up. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I believe it. Anyway, I I believe this. I believe that that it generally is the original tableau. But anyway. Yes, back to the subject at hand. That's an interesting image, isn't it? Horns of a bull. Now, obviously fundamentalist Christians might see that and be like it's Satan wow probably not but who knows (laughs) you know I have wondered sometimes like what if it's true somehow the Christian myth the Christian story like in the sense that we've been taught it like Catholicism or mainstream Christianity like I don't it doesn't add up to me honestly it doesn't add up to me at all and the idea that like the way people of Jericho retreated and there's all sorts of brutal, terrible things in the Bible. And I just get serious narcissist vibes from um, Jehovah. So the idea that that is how reality works and that virtue is obedience to a tyrant, and that just doesn't add up to me. That's just so... But I can't admit, I I've got to admit, I've I've had my doubts. Like, what if, despite how absurd it seems, somehow it's actually that way? And what if somehow New Age spirituality is actually Satan tricking us? Even though the whole narrative makes no fucking sense. And what if it's supposed to make no sense as a test of faith to see if you just mindlessly believe something out of pure faith and it's like well, I guess if you don't have blind faith and you have critical thinking about it and you don't believe it d- despite any doubts, if you don't have, a, if you don't, if you have doubt, I guess you need deserve to go to hell for eternity then. Nah, it doesn't add up to me. But um, it's not like I haven't had, oh shit, what, what if it's, what if there is something to it? Or like, yeah, what if those? What if the aliens are actually demons? You know, people have said that. People, and especially the people who've got into New Age stuff and then had the Dark night of the Soul, freaked out and gone back to Christianity. Those people are like the most anti-New Age stuff anti-New Age you might find. Anyway, um, you know, I don't know if you like my tangents because um, some people like it, some people don't, some people in between. So this is how I do it. Well, well. I like that Gnostic vibe anyway. A bunch of keys. So, what does a key do? It unlocks you or unlocks something. Um, And there's an opening up that comes from that. Is there not? Um, And an opening up isn't like an acceptance, it's a broadening of horizons, perhaps. But also something, a releasing of something from the subconscious, maybe? But it seems like there's a divine aspect of his this, or maybe Jung's self, or soul, or maybe Jung spirit guides were helping out. Maybe, maybe it was a spirit guide coming along, in the form in that form. Flat clods of earth, I don't know. Maybe something to do with grounding. I don't know what that has to do with it. And I don't know what the symbolism of a kingfisher is. I, I wish I did, to be honest. But it is pretty interesting. And if any, if any of you have any ideas, well. You're free to comment about what the kingfisher might mean. Or, yeah. Or anything else, you know, if there's anything in the symbolism that you think I might have missed, I'd be interested in hearing it. Uh, Especially if you're listening to YouTube. I don't know how comments work on Anchor and stuff. um, Or Spotify. I haven't seen any comments on that, so I don't even know if it's possible. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm missing it somehow. Anyway, so, at first, Jung doesn't completely understand the symbolic meaning of Philemon and cultivates his image, keeping it alive and observing the different meanings for it appearing in his imagination. He kept this image of Philemon alive using his tempera painting. See illustration nine. So, interesting. It's very much like Jung. He's trying to be scientific, you know. And I understand why he, he did it. In fact, we might not know know about Jung to the same extent if Jung hadn't done that because it's the you know the prevailing, the prevailing paradigm about how to get to truth is it's all about science, right? hmm filament paint illustration 9 where, where is that? Oh, is it. Well, There is a picture, but I don't think it's illustration nine, but it's actually the first one I showed you. So if you're watching this on YouTube or something, you should be able to see this. It does look Gnostic, doesn't it? It's got this temple thing. It's got the snake or a snake curled in the corner. It's got Two different types of tree. It's got a Gnostic, two Gnostic crosses. Some wise old man with, yeah, I suppose that looks like kingfisher wings. And he's holding something. And that one, it doesn't seem like a And also you've got these, Um, carefully, going up his um, robes around his legs. You see, going up, it's like like a spiral pattern. And it makes me think of maybe like a chain going up. And it makes me look at, it makes me think of um Kundalini Snake going up. was actually. Although it's not in that same position, but it makes me think of that. Interesting, interesting. And that's definitely the wise old man archetype. And there's an aura, halo uh, around him or a halo that seems to be linked to the crown chakra honestly but yeah and there's the stuff on the edge of it too so i don't know that's not even the the diagram mentioned to be honest in the contents i should say Hmm. all right Hmm. I don't know. This, technically, I'm not reading the Red Book, am I? I'm reading a book about the Red Book. Oh, well, I, I'll just leave it out. I I think I showed something similar to it anyway. So, so... This image was one of the best-known paintings in Libanovas. The venerable countenance of Philemon has a strange similarity to Jung's own face at the end of his life. Uh, That is interesting. Each element of this image has a different symbolic meaning and merits separate analysis. The bird's wings are present in the personification found in the Western mysticism as a symbol of transcendence and transport. Transport. That makes you think of the Merkaba. The Merkaba is used for like astral projection and stuff, which is a sort of transportation. And in fact, apparently, there are types of alien spacecraft which use Merkabas in one sense or another. In fact, the Merkaba might be used in order to pilot them. Um, not all of them, some of them, the more spiritually based ones, not the ones. Not the ones that are entirely technological, which some may be that way. But anyway, yes, yes. Um angels, the quintessential winged beings, get their name from the Greek Angelos, meaning messenger. And that links to me in my mind to Hermes. Ever heard? And that links to me again to Hermes Trimuskestus, which links to Thoth which incidentally is symbolized as a bird, or at least with a bird head, right? Although that is an ibis, not a, which is a different bird from a kingfisher. Angels are heralds, the messengers between man and God. The Greek's messenger God was Hermes, with his winged sandals. In addition... Oh, yeah, we've got the same illustration. Illustration nine is literally the same picture I showed you, so I also wrote one. And it's just on the next page, so there you go. I was being a bit silly. Um, Hermes is described as a psychopomp, meaning the guide of souls, from psyche meaning soul and pompos meaning guide. Wings are therefore associated with transport and communication, which is one of Philemon's roles. Another important symbolic element in Philemon is this bull horns, his bull's horns present in the dream that Jung relates in memories, dreams, reflections, but substituted in the painting in the red book with an analogous luminous halo. Okay. I can picture there being horns though. The horns were a symbolic representation of power in pre-Christian cultures. They were used as an ornament by figures of authority in religious chiefs they also bring a feeling of prosperity and abundance in this way these horns reinforce philemon's spiritual authority interestingly i also think they might have perhaps a phallic symbology which might link to the idea of fertility and thus abundance and growth i don't know that's something that came to me anyway yeah um Interesting. The keys, which honestly I can't see, but not that image, but whatever. The keys express the idea that Philemon is a figure containing many meanings that are yet to be identified. A whole bunch of keys, each key for a different thing. Only through the c- continuous study of the symbols can the unconscious reveal these new meanings. Philemon is carrying a small flame and its opaque light is reflected onto his chest. This small flame can be seen in various representations of figures of the unconscious, symbolizing a new potential conscious present in the unconscious. And what is individuation if not making the unconscious conscious? This paracelsus, paracelsus, paracelus. paracelus, paracelus lumen naturae the light of nature the range of possibilities for development present in the unconscious this is an important perspective as no unconscious wow i completely said that wrong this is an important perspective as the unconscious is no longer purely negative or simply a repository of for, for repressed material here it is seen as a source of creativity of a coming into being so And of course, the unconscious isn't just negative. The shadow doesn't mean it's negative. It's just that that which the light of consciousness is not sh- is not shining upon. That, that it's simply that there may will be positive aspects just to, are not identified with. And this is just a personal unconscious, right? But when it comes to the collective unconscious, that also applies. There's that. And in A Course for Miracles, if I remember correctly, which I I could know the text a lot better, but there's this principle that Christ says in it that basically he seems to agree with Freud on certain things, actually. And the idea is about the subconscious in A Course for Miracles that the natural state of the subconscious is actually kind of divine and handled by Christ naturally, right? And the Christ consciousness is kind of what an ascended consciousness is and kind of what the self or the soul's consciousness is, I I think. And it's, we get all this other stuff, these complexes and stuff when we don't really deal with it in an unhealthy way. And we've kind of built up this ego with the lies we tell ourselves, right? And because an ego is the ego is built up lies in a sense and self-deception and it's a sort of madness so there's definitely the idea is in that that what you could call the collective unconscious or perhaps or maybe not the collective unconscious maybe just some a divine aspect of consciousness or the self aspect of consciousness maybe is actually the true part of it and the rest is kind of like not corruption, but something like that, of that. I, I don't know why I'm talking about it now. It just feels relevant somehow. So. Well. Yeah, the source of creativity. And coming into being. Well, coming into being, well. You come into being through birth, right? Or at least. On this plane you do um we are eternal souls but yes and source of creativity is what is the source of creation because creativity is about creation right creation of art but creation the source of creation is god source what are we as souls it's pieces of god right all that is is the is all well is all the well everything <laughs> anyway? So, Vinnemon carrying the small flame may have been reported by Van Fra- von Franz studying Jung's dream, nineteen seventy five, where it was named the Storm Lantern. Hmm. In this dream, Jung carries a dim lantern close to his chest on choppy seas during a bad storm. Von Franz, page fourteen forty-one, 41, sees a dim light of the lantern as a representation of the conscious that needs to be preserved at any cost. This dream reminded Jung of the importance of the conscious and the confrontation with the unconscious. Indeed, the ethical position of the conscious is fundamental in active imagination, and in all the experiences documented in Lieber Novus, which, in which m- the most surprising, obscure and unusual contents appears, we need to adopt a middle ground in which the content is confronted without it being repressed in favor of conscious logic, but where it does not, it is not identified with confusing with the conscious. A firm conscious and critical position is required Using Jung's dream for, as a reference, Philemon represents Jung's self, his superordinate personality, and the dim light that he carries close to his chest, as his close to his chest in his egoic conscious. Seen from this perspective, the figure of Philemon represents not just a self, but is also a poetic and mystical representation of the ego-self ego axis, or the interaction and interdependence of both these parts of the psyche. I will add here that, in a sense, the ego is maybe the physical, is linked to our nervous system and um, our brain. And it's sort of like the physical aspect of us. And the self, could, or the soul, is the spiritual aspect of us. And also, the ego can, especially at this worst, be very much... Base, let's say uh, very much well self-centered and um, selfish you know, and um, there's all sorts of dark aspects that the ego can manifest and even surface self people were very much ego-centric right? Um, whereas well from the other end of it is the soul and alignment with the divine right hmm so I feel like I'm off somehow just a little bit off in my interpretation there, but I don't know what exactly is off maybe it's the idea that in their own way serves as self. Oh, sorry there, there was a, um, issue with my internet. So, um, Right, where was I? So we're talking about the EU self-access. And uh, so And obviously, the light of consciousness is in the Emerald Tablets, or the Emerald Tablet of Thoth. The the consciousness is described as a light, if not a flame. Um, And flame is a source of light. And that it can be bright, bright or dim to varying degrees. And it depends on how shrouded in darkness it is, I suppose, and other things. Anyway, Philemon's infirmatus. One of the most significant characteristics of Philemon is his feet. Jung relates that Philemon has a lame foot. Is this what Hillman called the infirmatus of the archetype? Perhaps so, as figures of the unconscious do appear with their infirmatus as though the gods had ailments that represented various ways of the soul manifesting its imperfections, similar to Hillman's proposal that pathologizing may be spontaneous movement of the soul. In the same way that Salome is blind and that that this is an issue for Jung, Philemon's lame foot has implications for his individuation process. Salome's blindness is cured at the end of Libra Primus in a moment of great transformation. Psychodynamically speaking, Jung's anima undergoes a transformation. One of the lowly, a shadowy figure that accompanies Jung at certain points of Libra Secundus has lost one of his eyes in a fight. In this case, however, the infirmitas seems to indicate the limited consciousness that is part of the human condition. Known in the East as avidya, meaning not knowing, the ignorance of the conscious being. The ignorance of the conscious being. Philemon's foot is never cured, but this infirmitas is compensated for with the appearance of another figure in the unconscious. The appearance of Ka, the soul of the pharaoh. Although, interestingly, Ka just means soul, I think, in Egyptian. Jung assumes that Philemon is an angelos, a spirit of the air representing the superior insight. Although he has enormous wings with the color of a kingfishers, he also has a lame foot. So, right, you can fly around. Didn't need to walk around, right? Yeah, it's not about that. Yeah, um, Philemon is Philemon is put into context with a certain, to a certain extent, by the later appearance of another character whom Jung calls Ka, K A. This name derives from ancient Egypt, where it was believed that a man possessed various souls, including the Ka, which was the soul linked to the body. And the material world in general. Incidentally, Ronald Hayman hy- hypothesizes, without explanation, that the name Car is a corruption of Jung's old name Carl. This is an extreme example of how hypotheses can be made with absolutely no basis in concrete facts. Hmm. Yeah, I, it doesn't feel like Carl to me. It just feels like it's linked to Car. Um and the meanings of that in Egyptian. Anyway, in Jung's act of imagination, Ka appears from a well deep from the depths of the earth. Well. Wow. Related to our incarnation is the fact that we are incarnating on an earth, a planet, Mother Earth. And she she helps us The life energy for maintaining our bodies, right? Um she gives us prana that's the impression I get and that's why energy comes up through the root chakra from Mother Earth. Now also energy comes from the sun to Earth, there's that as well um so, so there's groundedness to it, and also from the depths of the unconscious, perhaps. So the spirit, the soul, the self, is found in the depths of the unconscious, and yet is the ultimate aspect of our consciousness, or at least, yeah, it's it's more a more conscious part of us. Which is interesting. It's almost like the yin yang thing. So it's like if you see yin yang, you see the black part, and in the middle of the, in the depths of that black part, there's this, there's a white dot. Maybe that is the car. <clears throat> this is in contrast to the appearance of Philémon, who appears from the air. Jung compares Ka to the metal spirit of the alchemist, which is playful, yet also Mephistophelian in its mystery. You know, I've got this idea that, okay, so Philemon comes from above, and maybe Philemon is a representation of the white part of Yin Yang, right? But there's something missing. There's something, there's a blemish. Maybe that blemish, that something missing, is the black bit in the white area, that black dot. Something's missing, right? But he's completed by the cat, that white bit in the darkness that completes the whole, right? And he comes from the unconscious. Interesting. Um, While well, Philemon brings him The spiritual question of meaning, Ka brings with him the principle of beauty or the eternal reflection in material. Yeah, so the reflection of the non-material that we see in the material. That is beauty. Ah, so that's the definition of beauty. No, not the official one, but that is what beauty is, right? The reflection of the eternal in the material or the temporal or the temporary. Temporal, temporary. There's a connection there. So that's interesting. Jung also worked with the image of cat in a painting. This was Jung's usual way of carrying out what he called his circumbilatio, meaning the circling of a symbol. You yeah, know that's an interesting thought. Maybe I could do that. This idea of you get this, well, in some sense artistically representing representing in one in one way or another, maybe visually um, painting or something like the um, artistically uh, different archetypes of di- what comes up in your individuation process anyway. But the Jung's way of doing it isn't the only one. Like it could be in the form of music or something. Like there's different ways of doing it. <clears throat> Just being creative ultimately. Drawing, sculpting, painting, or writing about an image was his revolutionary way of keeping the flame of his mysterious experiences alive, without reducing them to, a hasty, rational, to hasty rational interpretations, unlike his mentor, Freud. The process is the essence of the unfolding of Libanova's. Ka, in the same way as Philemon, gained symbolic expression through a painting. In which he appears standing on the ground, surrounded by uh, uh, by earth. Besides a stone altar with a bronze top. Hmm. There is, I think I, yeah, I think I saw that in the image. Stone altar, bronze top. At the top of the painting, there is a kingfisher wing, and besides this, and his head, there is a nebula of stars. Ka is holding a stylus and is working on a shrine. He says, I am he who buries the gods in gold and gems. Oh, yeah, this is uh, talking about painting of car, which is totally different from the one I saw. So, yeah. Anyway. Hmm. Well, we know what the Egyptians did with the golden gems that were buried with pharaohs, were for them to have guidance in the afterlife. Um, so they could use what they're they're buried with. Now, in a symbolic sense, this relates to a sort of transportation. It does actually relate to Philemon perhaps And it relates to what we carry with us. Perhaps our experiences in our life, what we learn, how we grow, we take that with us at the end of our life to the afterlife. And maybe that aids us in our eternal journey. No, I don't think that's what doing was saying but that makes sense this painting clearly shows philemon and car complement one another representing two complementary areas of the psyche that together can achieve individuation like what i said about the the two white areas of yin and yang the the main white area and the white in the black Philemon is above represented by his wing and Car is below representing wow Kat is below carrying out his creative work so there's the part of us that's in the higher self or perhaps the spirit world aspect of us and then there's the part that's In incarnation, that's carrying out creative work, right? I think that fits together. Yeah. The nebula of stars between the two represents Jung's constellation of the self and the creation of new potential, the stars, through the integration of opposites. Hmm. The myth of totality was central to Jung's life and guided his entire theory. The idea of totality is present in in the question of the psychological types and the inferior function and his concepts linked to the self as a pair of complementary opposites. It is evident that Jung's work integrated to his opposing elements throughout his lifetime. As he himself com- commented on various occasions, the main psychological functions were always thinking and intuition, personified by Philharmon. His work with the psychological function of sensation, personified by car was a constant in his life with his search to live a life in harmony with nature. He never installed electricity or any other day present. He never installed electricity or any other present day facilities in Bollingen Tower and tried to live there alongside his mother, alongside Mother Nature. Cutting wood, tending to the fire and cooking. Well, Mother Nature, indeed, must have appreciated that. I see more... I see that what if it's literal in some sense. He channeled Carr's creative energy as a creative artist, sculptor, and painter. He who buries the gods in gold and gems. Hmm. Channeled by be so figurative. And, hmm, so here it seems to be saying that channeling your creative energy, being, using your creativity, is in a sense symbolically burying the gods in golden gems. It's material manifestation of, or maybe related to the senses, uh, manifestation in that sense of the divine, the intuitive. It's, yeah, it's making physical the non-physical that's intuitive. So, we've reached the end of this chapter. Um, I've got a feeling I've done previous chapters that were longer. And maybe there is more I could say, but that can come to me another time. Uh, For now, that's the end of the chapter. And there's one more episode, probably, that I'm going to do in this series of readings. Maybe two, probably one. Yeah, and that'd be interesting to do the final conclusions, but we're not going to do that now. I feel like we can stop for now. Hopefully you found it interesting. Uh, I certainly did. And um, yeah, um, have a good day and bye for now.